Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want to share with you this morning a message on faith. That faith is hope's joyous expression. And I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Peter. That's right there towards the back. 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse 3 through to verse 9. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to verse 9. It says this, Blessed be God the... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to the abundance of His mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Say living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That's quite a mouthful. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls." This is a beautiful portion of Scripture that talks about something called a living hope, a hope that is alive, a hope that does something on the inside of you, a hope that looks ahead with tremendous expectation, with such confidence, with, with such eagerness that it creates joy and excitement in the now. I want to start by defining hope with you this morning. There's various definitions that are out there. I'll read to you just a few that I came up well, not that I came across, not that I came up with. Sucked my thumb, and this is what I got. A f- hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. So you can see there's expectation is in there. That's a big part of hope. It's a feeling that what is wanted can be had, or that events will turn out for the best. So we see that it's not just an expectation, but it's an expectation for something good. It is expectation for something wanted, something desirable. Hope is a person or thing in which expectations are centered. So you have to have a reason for hope. And hope generally has a personal connotation to it. It is a feeling of trust, But the way that I would define hope personally is to kind of bring this all together and say that hope is an eager, 
God-inspired expectation for good based on who He is. Hope is an eager, God-inspired expectation for good based on what? Is it just we imagine it? Is it just something we dream up? No, it's based on who He is. Hope is centered around the person of Jesus Christ. That's why he's called our living hope. Why? Because he died, but he rose again. And he said, I've come that you may have life, Zoe, the life of God, eternal life, and have that life more abundantly. A living hope, listen to this, a living hope lives in the fullness of tomorrow's joy today. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that exciting? So if you have hope for something wonderful, that it's coming, when your hope is alive, you're already excited about it now. There's great anticipation and there's great joy about that which is to come. And as believers, you and I live in that perpetual state that although, as Peter said, although we, we, we have to be refined as fire sometimes, as gold, and as though, although sometimes things in this life get hard, there is something within us that is excited about that which is to come. In fact, we're so excited we can already taste it. We have a foretaste of it by the Holy Spirit. Verse 8 and 9 in, in the portion we just read from 1 Peter 1, says this, Though now you do not yet see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. I, how do you express inexpressible joy? Very loudly. How else? How would you demonstrate expressing inexpressible joy? Quite frankly, you guys are doing a really good job of it. Because <laughs> if it's inexpressible, you can't express it. <laughs> but it speaks about something that creates in you an expectation that has you so moved, that so grips your heart that you don't quite know how to express it. You're lost for words. You're at a loss for words. You know, we've sung songs this morning about the goodness of God. And sometimes when I sit and I meditate on what God has done for me, on the journey that I've been on, on His grace, and how He's met me in tangible ways along the journey, how He's provided things for me, amazing things, wonderful things, sometimes I'm just at a loss for words. I don't quite know what I could say that could adequately express my gratitude to God. Now, in the same way, when we catch a glimpse of who Jesus is and the hope that he puts within us, there is a similar kind of feeling that we have, not just of gratitude, but of joy, that we don't quite know how to express. We've gotten hold of something that makes us super excited for that which lies ahead, and we don't even quite know how to express it. But he says that you receive with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of our souls. Do you know that your salvation is an eschatological event? Now, what on earth does that mean? That's a big word. Okay. The study of eschatology is the study of the end times. Amen? Of what will happen in the end. One day, everybody on earth, will stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ and be judged. Amen? 
It's an eschatological event. It's going to happen at the end. However, the moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus made a judgment over you. He said, God said, you are my son or my daughter, whom I love and in whom I am well pleased. He said, you are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. So the judgment over your soul has been made. I therefore now justify this one and call him righteous. Amen? No longer sinful, forgiven of sin, separated, brought out of darkness, and brought into righteousness, into right standing with God. So that means in terms of a legal system, we stand before the righteous judge today, you and me, already judged as righteous. Now you and I will once again stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. But if we are believers saved by faith in Jesus, our judgment will not be whether or not we will spend eternity in heaven or in hell because that has already been determined. Our judgment will be the rewards that we will receive for the works and for the way that we have lived our lives on earth. So that judgment still needs to take place for you and I and that will happen at the end. However, there's one thing that happens, is set for the end that's already been spoken over you and me. If we've given our hearts to Jesus Christ, God has already declared us righteous in right standing with God. That's why I say it's an eschatological event that is brought forth into the now. That Jesus came and intervened into the course of time and saved you and called you and I for his kingdom. This kind of hope, a living hope, a hope that looks ahead to that which is to come in Jesus, to everything that is promised, but is so excited about it now, this kind of hope is what gives life to our faith. Amen? You see, Hebrews 11 tells us in verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Without a living hope, there can be no faith. Faith is also the evidence or the proof of that which we cannot see with our natural eyes or our physical senses. So the father of faith, you could say, or the mother of faith is living hope. It is a hope that we receive through our association with God through Jesus Christ. Remember the definition of hope that I gave to you? An eager, God-inspired expectation. So this comes from God, from who He is, from His love for us. It comes from the promises that He has given us in His Word. It comes from everything He has spoken over us. So it originates from Him, and we have this hope and this eager expectation of good because of who He is. He is good. God is good. We've spent a lot of time singing about it this morning, but it's really important for us to remember that. The Bible says in the book of Romans that it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Repentance means to turn from doing things my way and, into, and, and, and orientate my life around doing things His way according to that which He says. And I do that, why? Because there's a hope within me that this good God wants good things for my life. And therefore, if I do things His way, guess what will happen? I will experience His goodness on a daily basis. Do you believe that God wants good things for your life? This is a living hope. And I want to say to you folks, it's not a pie in the sky. 
We cannot read through the Word of God and see all the promises that He gives us and come to any other conclusion than this, that God's desire is to have you blessed, is to have you free, is to have you healed and whole in Him as we orientate our lives and make our lives dependent on Him. So we're talking about a kind of hope that gives inspiration to faith. Now, hope sees what is ahead. Hope gets excited about what has been promised. Faith is what brings that hope into the, re- into the natural realm. Faith is what says, I believe it, and I take hold of it, and I receive it, and I thank the Lord for it. Faith takes that hope and brings it into the here and now. That's why Peter says, that whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible. Why? Because I'm taking that joy and I'm bringing it into my here and now, into my life today. Faith can only work with a living hope, and living hope only comes alive when it's spoken by the source of life. How many times have somebody made you a promise and you were hopeful and they've let you down? (laughs) I see that that has struck a chord with some in particular. Somebody promised you something and they let you down. Or they say, if you do this, I'll give you this. And so you do this and you get there to collect and they shift the goalposts. Has that ever happened to you? I remember at one stage, many years ago, I I I was... doing a, a project with my boss, and it was for a, a, a big client. I don't want to name names, but it was a, if I said the name, you'd all know exactly who I'm talking about, a big, a big player in the South African market. And we were doing a lot of point-of-sale material for them. And he said to me, listen, I need your help with this one. Uh, I was based in Cape Town. All of this stuff came out of Joburg. He said, I want you to sort this out, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll apply this kind of commission to what you do. And I said, great, let's, no problem, let's do it. And of course... When payday came and, and the profit was made and the, the, how much commission was put on the table, he suddenly said, no, 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 that's too much money for you. <laughs> and, he, and he shifted the goalposts. <laughs> don't, don't look at me with horror on your face. What did I do? I smiled and I said, all right, Lord. And I trusted the Lord to be my provider, and he was. I've learned to let God fight my battles, folks, even when you're treated unfairly. Was that fair treatment? No, of course not. But this is what I'm talking to you about. Hope that is not disappointed. Living hope that comes from somebody who is steadfast and true, who never changes. I personally am super glad that when I wake up in the morning, I know God is not going to have one of those days. God doesn't even have a bed. Never mind a good and a bad side to get out of. How many of you have those days? Right? You can relate to You just wake up and this is going to be one of those days. Even the coffee doesn't taste right in the morning. The dog jumps up on your white trousers and makes a mess on your way to the office. It just everything's good. God doesn't have those days. God doesn't wake up and I go, morning, Lord. And he goes, oh. <laughs> Michael, not now. I've got a headache. God never does that. God never comes to the place where he looks at you and he says, you know what, I've just, I've just had enough. What does that give me? That gives me a living hope, an eager anticipation that no matter what 
the state of my heart is, no matter what's going on in my life, when I come to God, His goodness remains unchangeable. Therefore, I have utmost confidence, I have utmost trust, I have utmost faith that whatever He says remains true, regardless of what I see or how I feel. That living hope gives me the faith that I need to lay hold of those things and to accept them and receive them from God. Folks, the struggles that we have in life is not because God is holding out on us. It's because we battle and we struggle to receive from Him. We struggle with our identity. We struggle with, do I really deserve it? Well, let me help you with that one. The truth is, no, you don't. And neither do I. But Jesus does. And this inheritance that he speaks of is not an inheritance that you or I have earned somehow, but it is an inheritance that has been freely given to you and to me because of Jesus. That, folks, is something to be very excited about. Amen? It should cause faith to rise up in our hearts. But as we know, faith comes one way. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Now that particular verse is referring to saving faith. It's referring to how can they be saved unless they be told and how would they be told unless somebody goes and then goes and tells them. And it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. One day I'll take off my shoes and show you. <laughs> Beautiful. Again, not because of what I see, but because God's word says so. This is the living hope and the faith that I have. Amen? <laughs> faith comes by hearing. Now this is something I want you to understand. Faith does not come from having heard. I cannot lean on yesterday's hope for today's problems. I cannot lean on yesterday's revelation for the battles I'm going to be facing today, for, my, for today's provision. Last week, Stephen taught us on the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. It was not give us today yesterday's bread, but it was give us today our daily bread. And Jesus said this about bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How often do you need bread? Daily. How often do you need a word from God? Daily. Daily. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Not having heard, but hearing. What does that mean? That means my heart needs to be attentive to his, his whisper as I go about my day. That means if I'm serious about this, I'm going to give myself to the study of the word of God to figure out what it is that he says to me. And the principle remains the same for all kinds of faith. Once you know God's desire concerning anything for you, because of who he is, you can trust him to bring it to pass. God invites each of us into his presence. He loves sharing his heart with you. Do you know that? God loves sharing his heart with you. I don't know, I, I sometimes get like this. Something happens on the way home. With me, actually, it's generally a joke. I hear something that I think is funny, and there's 16 people in my head I have to tell this to now. Because they would love this joke. So I would phone that particular person because of this kind of joke that it is, it's, it's for him or it's for her. And I'll phone them, I just want to tell you something. 
That's it. I'm excited to tell them something that I think is wonderful. I want you to know God is that excited to share what is on his heart for you. And here's why. God delights to share his heart with us because he knows what what he has to share will do in our hearts. Why is it that I, when I hear a joke for somebody, I long to share it with them? Because I know what it will do in their hearts. I know how they will receive it. I know that they will think it's funny and they'll enjoy it with me. And I get to share this thought that is humorous. And likewise, God wants to share his heart with you because he knows, that what, he, he knows what, what he has to share will do to your heart. It's transformative. You see, when God speaks to us, he, his words bring life. His words bring living hope. His words breathe life to our faith. And faith is not faith if it is not aimed at God. Hope is not true hope if it is not aimed at God. You see, very often we hear good things in the Bible, or we read good things and we hear things from God, and we set about trying to do them in our own way or in our own ability. Very often we hear good things and it's interesting. But what the Word of God does again and again is it has a way of orientating our expectation back to where it should be. Why? Because God delights in meeting our needs. God delights in revealing himself to us, both in the big things and the small things. As a father, I delight in paying my daughter's school fees. Kind of. (laughs) Not so much when I click the button that says pay. But when she comes home and she's drawn something beautiful or she's learned something beautiful, this morning on the way here, my wife and I were flabbergasted because on the way to church this morning, my three-year-old counted in Afrikaans all the way up to 20. And we had no idea she could do that. So I'm glad for those fees that were paid that I didn't have to teach her how to count to 20 in Africa. You understand? I delight in providing for my children. I take great delight in treating my children. I take great delight in making a fuss over them and blessing them. And that's exactly the way God feels about you. And here's the wonderful thing. His inheritance, everything that he has set aside for you, has already been freely given to you and I. We just need to catch a hold of it and take it by faith. We ought to be really excited about everything that God has given to you, to us. And I mean really excited about it. It's that excitement that causes faith to grow in our hearts and to begin to take hold of it. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says this, For it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Say things. Things. Say it again. Things. Things. Now, my daughter's eager anticipation, their hope for presence on Christmas morning is based on the relationship that they have with me and the knowledge of who I am. You agree with me? We're building up to Christmas. There's an eager, or for their birthdays, they're already talking about their birthday. There's already eager anticipation for what cake they will have because they know who their mother is and what she can do. There's eager anticipation for a gifts because that's what we do on Christmas. It's a part of how we celebrate. That's what we do on birthdays. We bless our children with gifts. Now let me ask you this. On Christmas morning, is her desire for me or is her desire for the gifts? 
Let's be honest. When my children wake up on their birthday and they come into my bedroom to wake me up, is it because they want to cuddle with dad or because they know there's presents? James says this, James 1.17, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I want to say this to you today, folks. While we do not seek God simply for what He can do for us or for what He can give us, there is an aspect of His nature that delights in manifesting His love for us through His bountiful provision of our every need and through the manifestation of His boundless favor. In the same way that I love blessing my children, and they have an eager expectation of that blessing, so you and I should have an eager expectation of the blessing of God. Because likewise, He loves to meet the needs of His people. He loves to bless His people. Oh, Michael, this gospel of prosperity, you know, where people just pursue God for what He can do. I fully agree. If you take that out of its context, it can be perverted. And many have perverted it. Many have made serving Jesus about all about what you can get. But I say this message to you in the context of what we've been saying over a number of weeks about seeking God because there are wonderful things that He wants to lead us into in the next season. And if we are coming to Him without an expectation of anything good, we're going to miss the plot. How can God promise us something good and us in our piety think, well, I'm not going to believe Him for any wonderful new things or blessings in my life because that's putting emphasis where it doesn't belong. We miss the point. My children take delight in my presence and my children take delight in the gifts that I give them. And I want to say to you today, both are okay. Both are good. I am grateful for what God has done for me. It doesn't shift my focus from Him. It makes me all the more grateful for Him. And so, yes, part of our kingdom gospel, part of the gospel of the kingdom, is that God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. God wants you to grow financially, yes, but also emotionally, grow up. He wants you to grow spiritually, more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. He wants you to experience more of His love, to become comfortable in it. I grew up in a privileged home. I had many things that many other people could only wish for. I had a distinct advantage in life. I acknowledge that. I'm not sorry for it. Do you understand? I acknowledge it. I acknowledge that I had blessings that others didn't. But I'm not apologizing for them. The question is, what am I going to do with that blessing? How am I going to use my life and the advantage that I've been given? Am I going to use it just for me? Or am I going to use it to help other people? Because of the way that I was raised, there are certain ways of thinking that are ingrained in my mind. Those who were not raised under blessed conditions don't have that way of thinking. But I can teach them how to think that way. 
You see, when you perceive yourself as blessed, you live in a way that is blessed. You propagate the blessing. Jesus said it this way, those who have, more will be given. But to those who do not have, even what they have will be taken away. So much of the body of Christ today live their lives in order to earn the blessing of God. Whereas God said, we are already blessed. So if I begin to position myself and see myself as blessed, the way I reason, the way I think, the way I approach situations comes from a place of strength and blessing. I therefore take the blessing that is on me and infer it onto my situation by faith in my blesser. Why? Because I've become accustomed to his blessing. There's an earnest and an eager anticipation in my heart that the blessing of God is working in me and on my behalf. Amen? Some people don't know that. Some people haven't experienced that yet. So what do I do? Use that blessing all up for myself? No, you see, I can lead other people in it. You understand the principle that I'm making. God wants us to believe Him. God wants us to trust Him and to receive from Him. Hebrews 11, just a few verses later in verse 6, says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God's desire is for you to experience the rewards that Jesus came to purchase on the cross. There's an expositor called Newell. He said this, these two elements, not elephants, these two elements seem most simple. We must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder. But alas, how many professing Christians act as if God were not living? And how many others, though seeking after Him, are not expecting from Him as rewarder? Are you expecting God's blessing and His favor upon you as you go about your day? God has for some time now been trying to create in us an eager expectation for good. Jeremiah 33, 3, we've been talking about this so long. Call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. There's an invitation of God that says, I want you to come and draw near to me because there's things I want to speak into your heart that will create in you a living hope, a, an excitement in the now which will enable you to take hold of my promises by faith and bring them into the natural. If we are going to enter into a season of greater fullness of Christ, of greater measure of the Holy Spirit, of greater blessing, there's only one way we're going to enter into it, and that is by faith. Amen? By faith, we lay hold of these things. Our ability to receive anything from God is determined by our ability to hear and discern His voice. That is where faith comes from. That is what takes that eager expectation that we have and gives it flesh and bones. Getting to know God creates in us both an understanding of His promises as well as the faith required to receive and walk in them. Folks, the only thing that shifts us spiritually, that moves us on spiritually into growth and into fullness, is revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge. The Greeks have two words for the word knowledge. The one is the word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. And that means knowledge. It means understanding, as we would talk about knowledge. But they have another word for revelation knowledge. That is epignosis, which is a word that means, 
It's like when the lights go on. And many people have said, when they're trying to speak on faith and talk about revelation knowledge, they say that, man, you've got to repeat this thing until it gets from your head to your heart and you believe it. And I've come to learn that that is absolutely opposite to what it should be. Why? Because God reveals things to you spirit to spirit. Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's not our heart that needs to be renewed. That's already been renewed. It's our minds that need to be renewed. Our minds need to catch what is going on within our hearts. And when we are feeding our hearts on the Word of God, trust me, you're going to understand that there's some things that are going to start bubbling up inside you, some great expectation that is going to be created. The only thing that shifts us forward spiritually is revelation knowledge, and revelation knowledge comes only one way, by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You see, folks, the more we know God, the wider our hearts are open to Him. Why? Because He's good. He's good. And the more I know He's good, the more open I am to His goodness. And the more open I am to His goodness, the more I experience His goodness in a myriad of different ways. And it's a beautiful cycle that keeps growing and growing. The more receptive we are to His leading, the more we know God, the more we receive His blessings and promises. The more we know God, the better we can share all He has given us with those around us. Folks, I want to say this to you as I round out this message. I understand it's not all about you and it's not all about me. It's not all about us getting what we want. We are not the end product alone. But we are both the object and the conduit for God's love. In other words, God, in other words, God loves you and God wants to share His love through you. We are both the object and the conduit of God's blessing. God wants to bless you, and He wants to bless those around you through you. But God, you cannot love those around you until you've received the love of God. How can you love the world around you with the love of God unless you are filled with it? How can you be a blessing to those around you until you have received the blessing of God? We need to be positioning in ourselves in the place of reception. That's what this whole season has been all about. That's what this new wineskin is talking about. Positioning our hearts in order that we can receive new revelation, fresh understanding, fresh provision, fresh grace from the Lord that will, number one, meet our needs and fulfill our heart's desires in God. And number two, empower us to be that to others. I remember years ago, I, I listened to a message by Kenneth Copeland. And he said, there's one thing better than, being the, than, than receiving the blessing of God. And he said that, that the only thing that's better than receiving the blessing of God is being the man or the conduit through which that blessing can come. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Yes, it is more blessed to give than receive. But that also means that it's also blessed to receive. It is more blessed to give but it's also blessed to receive. Do you understand what I'm saying to you folks? Out there in the world, there are those who have perverted the gospel and made it all about prosperity. That's not what I'm saying to you. But the, when the pendulum swings back this way, we also have a perverted gospel that says, no, we need to give up everything and we shouldn't be pursuing the things that God has prepared for us. But yet over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture, we read passages like, 
Our God is the God who delights in the prosperity of his people. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Give, and it will be given to you. Press down good measure. Running over will be poured into your bosom. Now to him who gives seed to the sower and bread for eating. Do you see the picture? This is our God who provides all these things for us. It would be wrong of us not to expect them from him. How would you feel having bought your child their birthday present and for them to be utterly disinterested in it? That would be terrible. I clearly didn't do my research very well. So I want to say to you today, there's wonderful things that God has in store for you. Are you ready to receive his guidance, his word for you that will usher you into the blessings that he has for you? Every time God wants to take us onwards, he wants to take us onwards into blessing. Now, if your only definition of blessing is as narrow as prosperity, then you're going to miss it. It's not just about money. But very often, it has a lot to do with it. Amen? I'm not promising you riches in 2019. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying whenever God wants to take us forward, He wants to take us forward into blessing. Very often, as we started off in Peter, it says it may go through the fire. It may be a rough time. It may not be easy, but I have an end in store for you. So be excited about where I'm taking you because that's going to create in you a living hope, a holy excitement that will give you the faith you need to conquer every challenge and lay hold of God's blessing and His joy in the midst of whatever it is that you may be going through. This is the blessed life of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. In this world you will have tribulation, but laugh! <laughs> for I have overcome the world. Amen? Stand up with me. Hopefully not an evil sinister laugh like that. So, Father, we thank you this morning that you have made us to be the objects of your affection. But thank you, Lord, that you also give us the privilege of being the conduits of your affection, of your love, of your blessing, of your grace, and of your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you enable us to forgive because we have been forgiven, to let go and to release people. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the ability to experience the presence of Jesus Christ with us because you gave your life away. And thank you, Father, this morning that when we look up at you by the Spirit, we can say, Abba, Father, Daddy, knowing that you delight in meeting our every need, and that we are the object of your blessing and your affection. Lord, would you help us to orientate our hearts to the place where we are not focused on our guilt or the things we feel we've done wrong. Would you help us to lift up our eyes and set them on you? Also lift up our eyes from all the things we think we've done right, that we can look at you, Father God, face to face, and that we may receive the love, the affirmation, and the provision that you desire to pour out to meet our every single need. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you that you give us desires and that you meet every desire that you initiate. You are a good and a faithful God. And Lord, we want to orientate our expectation towards you. Thank you, Jesus, that we have a living hope because of who you are. 
And I thank you for where it is that you're leading us. We open our hearts. We say, God, show us how to receive from you. Show us the wonderful things that you have in store for us and give us the grace we need to enter into those things, to let go of that which holds us back, to put in place the disciplines required to go forward that we may know and experience the fullness of Jesus as you reveal your love to us. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.